The following podcast is part of the 6040 Network. Hey there and welcome to Everything Small Business, your shortcut to start, build, manage and grow your small business. I'm Cherie and in today's episode, I sit down with Godson Michelle, president at Blue Surge Marketing Agency in New York, all as part of our mini-series called Share Your Small Business Story. In this episode, Godson shares how he started a side hustle with no experience, loans or mentors to fund his college education and how he was able to spot an opportunity to build an e-commerce company, turning it into a global enterprise within a few short years and his passion for using digital marketing to help small businesses increase their revenue. So um, I guess where we'd like to start is just a little bit about you for our listeners that might not have had any exposure to you or to your business mm-hmm. before. Um, if you could do that, that'd be fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. So my name is Godson Michelle. I am the owner of Blue Surge. We are a digital marketing and website design firm agency based here in the States, in New York. In regards to just my background and experience, I've been in the digital marketing space for about a decade now. I started off in e-commerce, actually, with a small online e-commerce store selling footwear and apparel, and eventually took that marketing experience that I built, used to build out that store, and pivoted to just full-blown digital marketing and web design for small businesses and nonprofit organizations. So it's been a pretty interesting time. 10 years, right? You know, it definitely wasn't something that happened overnight, but you know, it's been a beautiful journey and I'm super duper excited to see where it goes for the next 10. So when you started your own business, how did you see the opportunity and why did you choose, I guess, the apparel line? So my even origin story of starting was very unique. You know, like I said, I started out in college. I was going to school and I was going to school to become physician assistant. School here in the States is super expensive, right? With just the cost of tuition fees. I'm not sure how it is in Australia with like the concept of student loan, but it's super expensive here. And I was working at a retail store selling uh, sneakers and clothes and things like that. I was making minimum wage, which was $7.25 at the time. And one of the things I realized is there was a... you know, a very specific set of customers that was always coming in for this particular brand of sneakers. And I realized, uh, you know, after doing like more research and things like that, those sneakers had resale value. So eventually what I started doing just as an employee, you like you were like always allowed to like buy your own pair. So instead of, and everyone would always just, you know, buy their own pair and then wear it. And I was like, no, why would I wear this if I could just like sell it? Right. And that's kind of how the idea sparked into my head just to be able to be like, oh, okay, I'll just take it, hold it, you know, and sell it online. And, you know, I rinsed and repeated, you know, a couple thousand times and ended up having this, you know, business entity on that eventually became called Kickbacks. Oh, cool. So did you continue to use your employee discounts or anything like that? Or you actually had to source your own supply line by then? I did in the very, very initial first couple of months. But then once I started to see like, oh, this is getting kind of like busy. And I think I was starting to attract a little bit of attention from management because they were like, he never wears the sneakers he's buying. Everyone else does. And they also knew I wasn't really into sneakers. I think that was the thing. So they were kind of confused. So eventually at some point I was like, all right, I got to like leave the you know store as is and like be able to find my own vendors and things like that. So I became really good at like seeking out partnerships with other small um, stores and being able to pretty much just repeat that process in regards to getting products, working with small business owners who had clothing brands or like really interesting startup brands and apparel lines and things like that. And just letting them know that, you know, I'd be able to help them gain more exposure and to be able to sell them all on my platform. So I really almost became like a, I don't want to say like an Amazon, but like I was able to kind of almost turn my brand into like a marketplace of sorts where you could kind of come and find really cool things and be able to buy them. So do you still run that business today, even though you've got the marketing agency? 
I don't run it more anymore today. I realized as much as I love e-commerce, when I was running that business, I was getting so many inquiries on the service side of things with, with other small businesses who were just like, how did you figure out how to do all this stuff? And I realized at some point that all of the experience that I had in doing e-commerce applied to so many other things. Like I said, even in regards to like one of my core competencies is nonprofits. And when you think of nonprofits and e-commerce, they sound like opposites. But when you think about what it takes to be able to get someone to break open their wallet, it's really just about evolving that emotional response. And I found that you can do that on in both the for-profit sector and the nonprofit sector pretty similarly. So I eventually ended up pivoting into just the agency space. Um, and that's where I've been so far for the past couple of years. So did you actually end up finishing university or college? I didn't. I did not. You know, and my mom was, you know, kind of annoyed about that. Right. But um, I didn't end up finishing. It was really one of those interesting epiphany moments like you see on, you know, TV and the movies. And it's a funny story. Right. I was in uh, organic chemistry one and everyone's like in class and, you know, they're listening to the professor and he's talking about like the hybridization of carbon or whatever. Right. And everyone's like, just you know, super attentive. And I was there and I was sort of listening, but I had like my iPad open and like my notes and like, you know, my screen was on spreadsheets of like orders coming in. And I kind of just had like a weird epiphany. I was like, what am I doing here? Like, you're already doing really well. You know, you like the concept of school and college. Like, you're not opposed to it, but like, there's clearly something else more. Like you have something here. So I ended up using that moment and I went cold turkey. I literally walked out of class and never went back. Wow. Really? Yeah, like cold turkey. And I did it with intention because I was like, if I finish this class and it was um November. So here in the States, semester ends, fall semester ends in December. So all I had to do was finish out like one more month. And I was a 4.0 student, by the way. That's the other thing. People, you know, might get the impression that like I was a terrible student. I was going to school, you know, again, to become a physician assistant at a 4.0 GPA. And I was like, if I finish out the semester, I'm going to almost have a safety net. And I literally like pull the rug up underneath me just to be able to say like, I have to make this work. I have to figure out this business stuff. So I definitely had, you know, a little risky, but I think it worked out in the long run. Well, I think it definitely did. And obviously changed the trajectory of where you've gone and what you've done with your life too. Absolutely. It definitely has. Cool. So has it given you a unique perspective then, do you feel on the digital marketing space? Because you would have seen it evolve a lot over the last 10 years then. Yeah, it definitely has. I think, you know, even just from when I get the chance to speak to clients and things like that, and even when they're vetting our agency out versus other firms, one of the things I've found that has been a competitive advantage for us is the fact that I've actually been in the dirt, right? A lot of agency owners may have come from a more traditional marketing experience where they've gone to school for the marketing or the business admin, which is great. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I've been able to actually be in the weeds, right? Be able to figure out how to set up a Shopify store or WooCommerce store, what it looks like to not make any sales and be like, what happened? And what it looks like to get those first couple of sales to the point where you're making that first thousand, 10,000, et cetera, right? So I think that's been an interesting competitive advantage that's helped uh, my career and trajectory from it as an agency owner. Hmm. And it's exciting, isn't it? Your first ever sale when you're doing something new is is an experience that you'll never feel again. And then same when you hit those next milestones, like that first thousand or the 10,000, it's just, there's nothing quite like it because it really, you know, reinforces I've done this and I'm yes. getting there. Yeah. 
Yes, yes, it's definitely. I mean, I still remember my first sale, and it wasn't even online. I before we even set up the online store, I was like, you know, selling to people like almost like out of my car, quote unquote, right? I was I sold my first pair to a boy. He was working at a deli at his father's deli, and he was at work. And like I literally like, gave him the product while he was working, and like I still have that picture in my head. And he was super excited and happy because he was waiting all week for it. So like I still remember that moment, which is pretty funny. Yeah, that's really cool. So what sort of the services then do you? provide for small businesses? We do everything on the digital space. So in regards to marketing, so we do a lot of work on email marketing, right? So building out campaigns and powerful automations. We do web design, particularly both on WordPress as well as Shopify. We're Shopify partners. We do a lot of work in the Google ad space and just PPC in general. So being able to help clients with Google shopping ads, the search campaigns that appear, YouTube ads, which are very underrated that are super important just to get like people are watching those videos on YouTube and they get that five second pre-roll ad, those are actually pretty effective as long as people don't skip, right? We do a lot in regards to social media, which is, of course has been changing a lot recently with uh, TikTok and really just anything involved with getting their business to be profitable, right? We do a lot of services, but we found not every business needs every service. So we really try to fine tune and see what they need and how we can deliver to that uh, to them, point A to point B. Do you find then in finding, I guess, that channel mix for small business, it really depends upon the nature of their own business or the industry that they're in? For the most part, but I, I can definitely say just, you know, in digital marketing, there's always new metrics, right? There's always new KPIs. There's always a new, you know, right now the outrageous TikTok, next year it might be something else. One thing I can always say, at least just from a marketing perspective, irrespective of any industry, it's really about one, being able to drive awareness, right? Two, consideration, getting that person that knows you exist to realize why they should trust you. And then three, being able to deliver on those results, right? Whether that depends on whether you're selling socks and pillows or whether you're an accountant or nonprofit organization delivering clean water to a community, right? It's really just about being able to drive people down that funnel to make them trust you and then to eventually have them repurchase from you again. And what do you think then are the benefits? I mean, I guess the strong benefits of digital marketing for small business. I think the benefit would mainly be the ability to be very targeted and very specific, right? When we talk about things like billboard ads and radio and television, those do have their place in a, in a marketing channel. But most small businesses, especially here in the States, you really aren't able to come up with a budget to be able to invest in you know, a full-blown campaign. So being able to work with on a much more smaller budget, as low as even like $10 a day with Google ads can drive results, results for that small business owner. And that can make a difference in them, you know, being able to have a good month and be able to, you know, give their kids something nice for Christmas or, you know, be kind of stuck for another year or another month, not really getting sales. Mm. Yeah. And that's so true, isn't it? Like, how do you find servicing, I guess, the bricks and mortar types of businesses that aren't traditionally recognized in the digital space? That's a great question. And I think the past two years has really kind of perked their ears up, right? In regards to knowing like, you know, on main traditional Main Street, they're not super heavily invested in all like, again, the YouTube ads and the Snapchat ads and things like that. But of course, with COVID coming along and really wiping out a lot of small businesses, what we've seen is, you know, everyone was really scrambling last year, right? In 2020 to figure out how do I get, build a website? How do I, you know, do this? What's MailChimp, right? All these things. So a lot of it for us has been really just educating 
education. We're really big on trying to educate our clients to really make them understand what's going on because there are a lot of vanity metrics in the digital marketing space. So we want to put those vanity metrics in one bucket and those conversions, those things that really drive results, really drive impact in their business in another and be able to deliver ideally the things that those results. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's said a lot that likes and clicks aren't money in the bank and that's what you pay your bills with. So (laughs) nice to have, but uh, it doesn't pay. So, I mean, I guess like touching on COVID because that's impacted, I guess, everywhere. How do you feel that, I guess, the digital marketing space might have changed as a result? Have you found it more crowded at all? Yes, I can definitely say there's been a proliferation. So for us us as an agency, it's it's great, right? It's almost like we're getting more We've had, we've had more business in the past two years than we've had ever before. And that's just a result of the inflow of people looking to try to experiment these things. Even with things like layoffs and things like that, people losing jobs, a lot of people have become more entrepreneurial. Here in the States, there's you know that concept of the great resignation where people are quitting their jobs and just looking to start out on their own. But yeah, it's definitely become a lot more crowded and that has affected things like specifically doing ads on like Instagram and Facebook, for example. Those CPMs, those cost per clicks have risen just because the timeline is getting a lot more crowded and there's only a finite amount of ad space available. So that has shifted a couple of things. So it's forced agency owners like myself to try to get even a bit more creative, right? To figure out, hey, uh, how can we differentiate ourselves? And even to start thinking about other ways that we've traditionally might not have been spoke about. And, you know, these are conversations we're going to be start having next year about, hey, maybe we even start to mix traditional back into our marketing stack, like doing things like direct mail, because now our inboxes are so crowded. Being able to deliver someone, you know, a handwritten letter, for example, you're more likely to get their attention now. So we're even having those conversations and thinking about how we can experiment with mixing marketing channels a bit more. Mm. And I think that's probably a growing thing. I mean, with, I guess, in the space, Russell Brunson buying into GKIC, which is traditionally more of a a very traditional route, like the direct mail that's being in people's faces, having the multi-step mailings. I mean, that's going to be a really interesting dynamic, I think, that will unfold over the next 12, 18 months. And already he started to be out there promoting, you know, get in and do this and got his new channel set up, which is pretty cool. I guess one of the questions I do want to ask you is, Obviously, with a lot of people jumping online, especially in places like Shopify, which have certain structures that kind of need to be followed to optimize the outcome, are you finding that you're having to do a lot of fix-up work from people who might have jumped into that space and then they're now going, oh, it's not quite set up right or optimized that I can actually use it effectively? Are you doing much fix-up work? Yeah, I, I would definitely say a lot of the clients that come into us, they usually are often starting out pretty much trying to do it on their own. Again, I think COVID caused like a mad scramble to just get something up, right? Like if you were a restaurant owner and, uh, you know, you weren't allowed to have people to come in and only just do curbside, a lot of those, and Shopify was also very gracious, right? In regards to being able to, they typically have a 30-day trial and throughout COVID, especially during the peak of it, I know they were doing like 90-day trials, even a little bit longer to help out small businesses. So they lower the barrier of entry, but again, just because you have a website, it doesn't automatically mean people are going to come to you, right? If the interface isn't you know, put together well. I was listening to the one of the last podcast episodes you guys had about just the concept about do you need a website and things like that, right? If it isn't done the right way, you're not going to drive those conversions. So we have been doing a lot of work in regards to fixing other people's mistakes or just their mistakes, but it's been a good process overall. Have you found that you've moved many away from, I guess, those static sites like your Shopify's or even your Wix's or your Squarespace's and that, moving them into their own, I guess, more custom-based designs like off WordPress? 
I wouldn't say entirely. I think, especially with a lot of small business owners, what we found is a lot of them, you know, although they do want sometimes elaborate, complex things, there also comes into that concept of who's going to manage that complex thing, right? So a lot of times, you know, it's like, okay, cool, we'll build you a website, but can you manage this? Can you, you know, maintain this? And a lot of times that answer is no, especially when you're working with smaller business owners who, you know, they're mom and pops or they're not maybe even super duper tech savvy. So then we do have to have those conversations even before we start that development process like, hey, I know you want this super expensive thing, but it might actually be better for you to have something a bit more simplistic that allows you to do the maintenance on your own up until you are able to kind of grow out and, you know, grow from and build from there. Do you find those conversations actually get people to really pause for a moment and think, okay, well, do I really need to actually jump in to have a full website or can I use something to, I guess, test the waters? I think there's there's hesitancy, right? Because again, you know, when we're speaking about business owners, I think they don't even care about what the medium is. They just want to see sales at the result, right? So, you know, a lot of times they'll be like, I don't even need a website. I just have a Facebook page. And it's like, well, for some businesses, that's okay. But, you know, if you are going to get to a certain point of scalability, sometimes you're going to find that Facebook page isn't going to do it for you, especially when we consider the concepts of like, you know, you don't own your Facebook page, right? Whereas your website, it's an own channel. A couple of weeks ago, I don't know how wide the outage was, but here in the States, it was pretty bad where Facebook went down for about eight hours or so. And, you know, if your business was only on Facebook, you didn't have a business for eight hours, right? So being able to make sure you own your content, own your digital channels, own your platform is super important. And the thing I always try to teach small business owners. And I guess that's one of the things too, depending upon the industries that you serve. So I'm not sure if you had heard Spencer talk about in the past. So he's worked with some, I guess, medical related ones, so clinical mm-hmm. trials and things like that. And the drama that there can be in trying to get things approved, and then it's a potential risk of, do they like it today, not tomorrow, that they're challenging things. And I guess there's no real recourse per se. It's not like you can get on the phone and have a chat to somebody and say, hey, can you just review this for me? Right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely challenging. And, you know, what we try to do, at least from an agency standpoint, we do try to build those workflows in place where we try to make sure the clients that we're working with are able to review the work before we do it, while we're doing it, just to make sure that, you know, they're ultimately satisfied. You know, there's a combination between making sure the client's satisfied, but also making sure, hey, this makes sense for your business. I know you want to do this, but this might not go so well in three, six months, right? So, you know, just trying to meet that middle ground, which I think a lot of business owners and agency owners find uh, challenging sometimes. So you've talked about your workflow a little bit there or, um, a couple of times. So what sort of tech stack do you have that simplifies, I guess, collaboration between your own team and with your clients? Absolutely. Yeah. And in terms of our tech stack, we are super big fans of Asana, right? Asana is just actually used to be on Trello originally when we first started out our agency. And as much as I love Trello, we quickly outgrew it as our team grew. Asana is just a little bit more robust in regards to being able to assign different tasks. Our CRM is Pipedrive. Pipedrive has been very helpful in terms of us from a team uh, perspective, be able to manage those deals and leads that are incoming. We use Slack for collaboration and we use Slack not just internally with our team, but with our clients also, right? Email tends to be a bit slow and oftentimes gets cluttered, lose attachments, things like that. So our clients are in our Slack channels and we're talking to them. We're telling them good morning. We're telling them happy, you know, Thanksgiving and a week or two will be Christmas, letting them know that, right? So it's just a way for us to speed up that communication process and make sure they're in the loop. Yeah, that's cool. We use Slack too. To be really honest, when we first put it in, I was thinking, oh, it's just another thing and it's a bit ridiculous. But actually the amount of email that he has cut out is phenomenal. 
Right. It's, and it's, yeah, the, the ability to use the threads to keep thoughts together. I never mm-hmm. thought I'd use it as much. <laughs> no, Slack has done a great job. I remember being introduced to Slack, I think in 2013. And I was like, you know, I took it almost as more just like a regular instant messaging thing. So to see where they've gone from kind of being more of like an early entry uh, competitor to now they have a robust enterprise features and things like that is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Probably, I mean, they got bought out too by Atlassian, I think. And so seeing that come together in those spaces, like with Confluence, and I think they own Trello too, don't they? And Jira. So yeah, we, we outgrew Trello as well, like pers- like here. <laughs> it's great when it's just a few, but yeah, it, get, it got clunky right. and cumbersome. And Right. All those boards and trying to scroll <laughs> to the very end. I was always missing those last boards. So yeah, we had to uh, make some changes there. <laughs> So is there any, I mean, I guess you've worked with a number of small businesses as well. So is there any sort of, I guess, technology that you think people should consider embracing? In terms of technology, I think more so, less technology, but more so platforms. I think one of the platforms that has, you know, we already are familiar with that has been growing and that is still very underrated in the marketplace. I'm going to probably say TikTok. A lot of small businesses are still at that standpoint where they don't feel like it's valuable. They feel like people are just on there dancing. And and they are, they are, it's still in that very early phase. But I think the beautiful thing of TikTok now is it's one of the only places online today that has the ability for you to have that virality and that organic growth that was available on Instagram back in like 2011 and 12. I was a very early adopter of Instagram. So I got to see how that platform shifted to people being able to have things grow very quickly to now the algorithms are algorithming, right? And your ability to uh, have that reach, organic reach is it's about like, I think 2% now or something like that. So TikTok is definitely a platform that I always have early conversations with, even with the small business owners that weren't originally considering it. I tell them, you don't have to dance on TikTok. You can just keep it informational, add some music in there, um, some nice visuals, and you're, you'll still be able to find some of that growth that previously used to be only exclusive uh, to Instagram. So does your agency actually help clients put together the assets that they would post on places like TikTok or Facebook or Instagram? Yeah, we we have a hybrid model. So with a lot of our clients, especially the smaller ones, they are usually not able to produce the content themselves. So we'll generally produce it for them. And then some of our larger clients, they do have in-house teams where they can come up with the content and we really help out more so on the strategy side. So letting them know like, hey, this is what's trending on TikTok or on social or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever. And being able to make sure that, again, they're not focusing only on just those vanity metrics, but though every post has a true legitimate call to action, they're using hashtags correctly. And they're using it not just for distribution, but also for listening, right? We always want to make sure that we're listening to our customers and finding out how do they feel about us and going beyond the data points of just, is someone met online, but really trying to listen to not what our customers are saying, just for our brand, but in the market as a whole. That's where one of the areas that we found to be very helpful, just social listening. Do you find any particular platform better than others for the listening side? For the listening side, I don't think there's a platform I honestly prefer over another. As an agency, we've jumped through Buffer, we've been through Hootsuite, we've been through a couple different platforms. And I think one of the challenging things with social is now, because it's changing so fast, the management platforms themselves are oftentimes struggling to keep up with the changes. So, you know, you might have one platform that allows you to do this, but the other one doesn't allow you to do this, right? So I can't say I have a a preference yet. Right now we're using a buffer pretty extensively for, you know, the listening as well as the distribution, but we're always looking to keep our eyes open to see if there's another platform that works better for what we're trying to do. Okay. And what about for you? Do you have any sort of, I guess, big, hairy, audacious goals that you'd like to kick in the next, say, year or two? 
Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. 2021 has been super crazy for us. And there's been a lot of just kind of figuring things out and really growing. So 2022, my big, you know, audacious, hairy goal is a personal goal. Actually, I actually plan to launch a book sometime in the fall. And the title of the book is called Accidental Entrepreneur, How Not to Blow Your First Million, right? And it's pretty much a story of me in regards to, it's a nonfiction book and it's a story of me in regards to me setting up my first e-commerce business and the pitfalls and things that I've learned as a small business owner who was figuring things out, who didn't have those mentors and information and loans and things like that, but really just had to figure out how to make things work. So yeah, I plan to launch the book, like I said, sometime later in the fall. It's pretty much already written. I'm working with some cover designers right now. I'm going through the editing process. So super excited about that. And I'm looking to be able to help out, you know, small business owners you know, get the information they need so that they don't blow their first million, you know. Yeah, that's pretty much like what we are too. Um, Spencer keeps calling himself an accidental business owner. So (laughs) it's just a very similar type of thing. But it is amazing how similar the stories are when you go through this first part of the journey. And it's usually very similar sticking points, but everybody's journey is completely different, which is what's so brilliant about it, really. Right. I mean, it's a beautiful, I mean, I did not grow up thinking I was going to be an entrepreneur. Ironically, I thought I was going to grow up being a writer. So I guess I ended up getting to do both, which is pretty funny. But yeah, I had no real interest in business originally, but somehow, someway I've been able to figure out a way. And I'm, again, just super excited to see what I come out with next. So is your family or how you grew up then entrepreneurial or are you like a little random? I am the random in the family. You know, most of my family is in healthcare. You know, my sisters are nurses, you know, they're actually studying to become a nurse practitioner. So most of my family has been in the healthcare space. And I myself was going to enter there as a physician assistant. And it just so happened that I needed to make some money to buy textbooks. And that led me in a completely different direction. <laughs> but um, that, that's such an exciting thing, really. I mean, even taking the time to write a book. I mean, a lot of people come up with that as a goal for themselves. And then it sort of keeps getting pushed and never actually gets there. The fact that you've written it is such a milestone, really. Honestly, uh, really just dug it into my room. And uh, most people part of several uh, book writing clubs on Facebook and things like that on Facebook groups. And sometimes they'll do a post like, hey, how long did it take you to write your book? And most people say like two years, three years, like occasionally I'll get a one year. Actually, believe it or not, wrote my first book and it's 70,000 words, right? So it's going to be roughly around 200 or so pages. I wrote in about three weeks. No way. Three weeks. Honestly, I love writing and I literally locked down. I did nothing else. I barely showered and slept. I wrote that book in three weeks and uh, I'm just super excited to see the feedback. Yeah. That'd be great. So w- when does it actually launch or you don't have a launch date yet? I don't have a set launch date. I actually wanted to launch it in April, but I realized I wanted to make sure that uh, it had the distribution that I wanted it to have. So I pushed the launch date back until September, which is, of course, after our vacation here in the States. So I don't have exact date yet, but I will definitely make sure you guys get a copy for sure. But like I said, it'll most likely be in uh, September. Yeah, that would be very, very amazing. I'd love that. So what about then on the business side? Have you got any major goals there? Yeah, on the business side, you know, I think for us, it's we're at a point where agency, we're really starting to find our stability and our footing. We've been going through a lot of growth stages and really figuring things out to be able to grow and expand. And I think for 2022, our main goal is to really just start niching down. It's something we've always said we would do. But I think, you know, as a small business owner, you know, when someone says, hey, hey, I have some money for you and you're 
I think you're almost apt to be like, okay, like I'll take it. But we're starting to realize, hey, it's actually better to turn on the clients that aren't a good fit for us. And not just that, but I really love e-commerce just from a personal perspective with my background. And I love doing the social entrepreneurship work that I do in the nonprofit space. So we're looking to just next year exclusively focus on e-commerce and nonprofit organizations that are, you know, have a set number of employees and revenue and things like that. So we can take them to the level, next level and serve them where they need to be served. Yeah, it's, it's always good when you've got a place. I mean, we've got a little saying here, success is what you say no to. So, right, and having a, having that strong client assessment backing and knowing who the best client fit for you is, is can be really important. Yes, it definitely is. So I guess in terms of the where you are now, both in your journey and where you see yourself going, what's been the most exciting thing so far to date? Oh, most exciting thing to date. I don't know. I've done a lot, but I had to say the most exciting thing. I've been able to not only work on, you know, my business projects here in regards to Blue Start, my agency, but I've been able to start another company with another friend. And it's it's a media outlet, actually. And it's dedicated to, you know, here in the States, we have, again, like lots of different elements in regards to the political and cultural climate here, you know, the whole melting pot sort of thing. And, And what we've been able to do is be able to build out a, one, a directory for small business owners that are underprivileged, minorities that, you know, don't really, again, get that reach and that exposure that they should have, as well as just individuals in the community that are doing good work that aren't getting the recognition in the local media and things like that. So that project isn't even about profitability for me. It's really just about being able to help other people and give more visibility to people that that do deserve it, you know, that just aren't getting featured and things like that. So that's something that's been super important and I've been glad to be a part of. That's cool. And obviously it's the personal rewards that come from doing things like that can far outweigh any of the monetary stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, it does. It's, for that project, I came on board and I met the actual person who started the business a young woman and you know when I first came to her she had a very small dinky website you know it wasn't really set up the right way and I was like you know she asked me for help and I was like honestly you can't afford me but I have an even better idea for you and we ended up partnering together and being able to kind of build it out and it's received a lot of recognition both on a local and regional level here in the state so definitely glad to have been able to be a part of that. So is that um, something that you aim to do, like create your own, I guess, media part, or you're still leveraging, I guess, more of legacy media? I think I'm still leveraging the legacy media. I think both channels are important in regards to, again, being able to make sure that you know, the people, the businesses and the entities that are underprivileged and don't get that reach are highlighted, but also leveraging the power of those traditional structures, right? Like there is something to be said about being able to get featured on like, a, you know, an Oprah or like a news channel outlet or that has just millions of subscribers and followers and things like that. So it's a mixture of both right now, I think. Mm-hmm. Cool. And what do you think is the most important lesson you've learned in business so far? Ooh, looks uh, all about that. I would have to say <laughs> my favorite lesson, two. I have two, actually. The first one is you can't out-earn stupid. And that's actually a Dave Ramsey uh, quote and that's on the chapter, I think chapter seven of my book. And really about when you are hitting a big or you think you're hitting a big, you have to always watch cash flow, right? I think at least here in the States, cash flow is a major, major killer of small businesses when you're not managing it correctly. So definitely want to make sure you're watching the numbers. And the second thing that might be even more important is uh, just they have the ability to be adaptable right? To be able to pivot when it's time to pivot and to know when and if things aren't working out, to know when to stay the course, but also to be able to adjust and make those small optimizations and tweaks that will allow you to continue to sustain yourself in the market. Definitely. 
Do you like Dave Ramsey? I do like Dave Ramsey. He's an interesting character. You know, he says some off-color comments, but um, in regards to like personal finances and stuff, I think he knows what he's talking about. So yeah, I'm a fan of the uh, Dave Ramsey show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got a couple of money guys over here too. It's very interesting. It's and it's a very common material, isn't it? It's the same stuff. But um, yeah. personally, love the fact that you hit on cash flow. To me, it's one of the biggest things in Australia, at least. Fifty-one percent of businesses fail, or, or that mm. did fail in 2019, actually okay. failed as a direct result of cash flow being the number one contributor you know right. i forget who it was michael dell or somebody that had said like you can't you can't run your business looking in the rearview mirror you have to keep that fuel going into your engine which is where all your cash flow comes from absolutely you know it, it makes sense in australia right before the pandemic hit i was in sydney and a beautiful country beautiful city being able to kind of explore all the different towns and things like that and things were obviously super duper thriving and super duper busy like i went there i guess during your summer so it was just a lot of traffic things like that so i'm sure covid again of course impacted things in regards to like, like you said 51 percent of businesses didn't make it so hopefully as business owners in general right and a small business owner specifically we're able to learn from those mistakes and to be able to make sure we're managing that cash flow. So again, I would definitely love to be back in Australia and I haven't been to Brisbane yet, but I would love to come by and visit. So hopefully when you know we kind of get rid of some of these restrictions and lockdowns, I can come fly down there and take a visit. Yeah, it's a great spot in the world. Like, yeah, Sydney's got its place. It's quite beautiful, but I'm a Southeast Queensland fan. So <laughs> it's a great part of the world. The weather's amazing. It you is. You can't beat it. <laughs> I guess the equivalent's almost like Miami, I guess. We're on the Gold Coast, so just an hour south of Brisbane. So I guess the equivalent would be like a Miami. We get always the sun, the sand, it's nearly always blue sky. The weather is fantastic. Nice, nice, nice. nice. <laughs> Definitely have to come visit for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Where can people actually find you online? Great question. So pretty easy to find. If you check me out, I have, I'm on Instagram. Twitter. I'm on TikTok, of course, right? Godson Digital. So pretty much every Instagram handle forward slash Godson Digital. You can also visit my website, godsondigital.com. If you want to check out my business to see some of the work that we do, thebluesurge.com. And I'd be more than happy to reach out to any one of you. If you have any questions or want to know, I can get in touch with me as well. You can always just shoot me an email, godson at thebluesurge.com. I'd be more than happy to answer any questions you guys have. That's absolutely fantastic. Thank you heaps for sharing. Is there anything that you'd like to leave everybody with? Yeah, I would probably leave you guys with a tip. And it's as a small business owner, keep going, you know, and I know it sounds super cliche and everyone says that, but just from my personal experience, if I stopped when I, you know, things were hard, I wouldn't be where I am today, right? It was only through those struggles and through not being able to know what I was doing and then learning how to fix those things is how I got to where I am today. So, and I'm sure, you know, this hopefully is our last pandemic, but this probably won't be the last bad thing that happens to small businesses, right? So just keep going. Like you said, just keep thinking forward and just be able to prepare yourself for what's going to happen next because there always will be something. That's the thing, right? There always will be something. So just being able to stay up to date with trends, stay adaptable. And I think we'll all be okay with that. That's awesome. Thank you so much for making the time for this today or tonight at your time. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I was on uh, Instagram one night and I was just like, you know, poking around. I, you know, sometimes go down the Instagram rabbit hole <laughs> and I saw one of your posts and it was super colorful. Like you guys have a very colorful Instagram page. So I was just, you know, checking it out, ended up listening to one of the episodes and I was like, oh, like this would actually be pretty cool. I would definitely have something to contribute to this conversation. And I'm just, you know, glad I reached out and you guys were so willing to have me. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I mean, one of the things that we're trying to do with everything small business is basically to 
I guess, bring together all the different information sources because we strongly believe in collaboration, not competition. Like there is enough work to go around. You don't have to be everything. And not everybody should be everything to everybody. Like it's the niching and it's finding out who you best serve that actually helps everything. So that's kind of why we're wanting to build what we're building, which is bringing all these people together with all different backgrounds, different ways of thinking to actually go, how do we make small business better? Because this really is what's going to change everything is creating sort of empowered small business owners who can do great business together pretty much. I mean, there's so much hidden untapped potential. And, you know, as you already know, being able to speak to clients and they have sometimes the greatest ideas and they're just not able to get them off the ground or they have a great idea, but their point of view is just if you only just shifted a little bit, they'd be able to do great things, right? So just being coming in from like more of like a mentorship role and an education role has definitely been a pleasure and I'd definitely love to be able to continue to help out small business owners because they run the economy, right? They're the lifeblood of a lot of what goes on. So it's the work that we do, right, is important to help them keep going. For sure. And small business owners are the largest job creators in the world. Across any place, any country, it's incredible when you think about it. Something like 70% of all jobs are created by small business. I mean, that's you have to support that. Of course. And I think people sometimes get, they're just quick to kind of shut down the little guy, but that little guy, again, has so many ideas. He's he's literally driving our economy, right? So, and I think they, you know, between our governments and things like that, they just sometimes don't get all the support they need. So I'm always just willing to listen to someone or even like I said, I met that young woman who had a small little website and things like that and just pitch in wherever I can, you know, I'm super passionate about it and it's just, you know, it's good work and it makes me feel good at least to be able to work with people and help them kind of go from zero to something greater than zero, right? Hopefully. Yeah, I I totally agree. So our sister business is 6040. And that's basically our mission there is to create opportunity by enabling people sort of to come together. So we also have a directory that's, um, we're just building an app off it now. And essentially a way to be able to create daily deals. And so it's it's a multi-part site, right? Because we serve business to business as well as business to consumer because- We recognize that on the B2B front, they're going to be there and it's great. The best people that they serve and how they get their most support out in the network is actually to serve B2C clients. So where our directory is two-part, we've now got a front-facing site that's a B2C, which is hence the daily deals so that we can basically build a better group on without ripping off our customers. Um, Mm. So they can go out there and do and be, and we become the single form of promotion for that. So we're bringing together people like a marketplace. It's like a main street, right? But in a digital way and being able to then drive store traffic or click and collect type traffic back through their physical location. So it's really about how do we best help small business? And if what we do is we leverage our resources all together to create a place that people can come and then give them the visibility to be found, that's how we believe that we're really going to be able to make some positive changes and then driving everything locally. People do business with people. They don't do business with companies. 100%. And that is a super amazing mission. I'm so glad you said that. It's similar to what my company was doing, my other side company, where, again, it's about supporting those smaller businesses and being able to sometimes centralize it, right? It's sometimes hard to stand alone when you have your own little website or your own retail store, but being able to put it all together in one place. And like you said, be able to just drive traffic, raise the visibility and to be able to drive even foot traffic to their businesses. 
it goes so far and it compensated for the work that we do, but we are really helping change their lives. Like we're literally helping them put food on their kids' tables. So, you know, and that's not even an ego trip for me. It's just surreal. Like, wow, I'm really, I'm part of this person's life in a way, right? In some weird little metaphysical marketing way. It's pretty cool. So I love that you guys have that mission and that you guys are supporting local. So that's super amazing. Yeah. And I mean, and even in like connecting with the stuff that you do, like there's a place for everything. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, we're trying to work out ways that we can collaborate with what would traditionally be seen as competition as well because we don't believe in competition. I think everything there can be served. It's just going to have its niche. And then how do you amplify that? Because at the heart of it, it's about driving business for people, for people who own them, people who are, you know, taking the initiative and the risk to go and start their own business. And often in a way, it's giving them back their power. And especially with to go keep going into COVID, but COVID, I think at least here in the States, it opened up so many people's eyes because we got, especially here in New York specifically, like where I'm from, you know, I'm not too far from Manhattan and we got hit really bad. Like I want to say it was around, yeah, around March, April, we got hit like super bad, you know, everything was mass city and a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people got laid off. So being able to spring up and help those people, it felt great. And I'm glad that not everyone was able to lose their business as a result of the work that people like yourself and myself are doing. Mm. Which I, I love the fact that we can help in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good stuff. But thank you so much for having me on here. It was amazing to be on. And I'm glad that you guys, you know, replied and things like that. Cause again, I literally was just on my phone one night. What was that? Maybe like, maybe like three, four weeks ago. It was on Instagram, it was 3 a.m. scrolling and, you know, clicking through hashtags and things like that. And I was like, oh, this looks interesting and stuff like that. So the Instagram's working. I can definitely say that, right? Uh, you know, we talk about ROI. It works. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, a couple of people here that one of them really loves TikTok, but we're actually not on it ourselves yet because we're like, I'm not quite sure how best to use it for what we want to do because it's a lot of different things. So trying to find sort of, I guess, one unifying message to get out there is kind of a little challenging. So we haven't done that, but yeah, Kima loves Instagram. So she's like, can I funk this up a little bit? And I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> Instagram, yeah, I have a, I mean, that's where I built my first business is primarily through Instagram. Before I had the website, before I had anything, it was just direct to consumer through Instagram, you know, and it been able to build out and do some amazing things from there. So I have a lot of, I have a special place in my heart for IG. <laughs> nice. Well, that's everything small business for today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to stay up to date with our show, please subscribe or follow in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. If you know someone who might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them or share it on your socials and tag us. Until next time, this is everything small business.